The following audio is from Sacred City Church. For more information, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. This week's going to be a little bit different. This is our last week in our Sacred City Church DNA series. Um, And what that means is I have a strict uh, time window, and I will be staying glued to my notes today. Uh, So like the men said back during prayer, you won't be getting a lot of random C.S. Lewis quotes this morning. Um, I know how much you look forward to those each week. I'm going to try to stay close because we're going to do something a little different. um, And I'm going to walk us through that. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it. Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. Um, I thank you for the trials, the tribulations, the pain, the heartache that um, we've went through in the past few years. And uh, to get us to this point that your gracious and good sovereign hand has led us to this moment for such a time as this. And we thank you for drawing a people from all across the Quad City, all across the um, United States, actually, to plant this church, to uh, raise the flag of the glory of God and point at, at that and just say, this is why we're here. We exist for the glory of God, not for our own empire, not to make much of us, um, not to rock it out on Sunday morning, not to get a name for ourselves by any means, but we're here for the glory of God. And I pray, Jesus, that you would be glorified in this room today. You would be lifted high um, and much would be made of you for your glory and for our good and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the past eight weeks has been really important for us as a young church. We've spent the past two months reiterating our vision. What makes us who we are or who makes us who we are? Who are we? And how do we now live? This is important for us to grasp as we go into the fall, because oftentimes in the fall, God brings new families and God brings new growth. Um, It's just a rhythm for the Quad Cities. When people go back to school, kids go back to school, families go back to church. So it's important for us um, right now to kind of recenter ourselves on who we are and what God has done so we can move into this uh, new season together. This series has been an attempt to get us back on mission and prepare our hearts for the next round of growth that God could be bringing us. As we grow, it's important that we keep coming back to who we are. We believe that God has rescued us, that he has adopted us by sheer grace, and therefore drafted us into his mission to renew, listen to this, all of creation for the glory of God. Thankfully, this is his job. It's not ultimately on our shoulders to make it happen. But as his ambassadors, he has filled us with his power and he's poured his spirit and his unconditional love into our hearts and he's released us to bless our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, and our cities with his love. This is what our city needs. This is what our neighbors need. This is what our families need. They need to know the God of the gospel. And God has sent us to show them what a life looks like that's lived close to this gracious God. It's a life motivated by grace, powered by grace, and then fruitful by grace. The gospel makes us fruitful, and by believing the gospel, we become more fruitful, Colossians tells us. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. Being a Christian means God, through his grace, has made us into a family of missionary servants sent to renew the Quad Cities for the glory of God. This is who we are. We fail at this every single week, and that reminds us that we can't do this on our own. 
This is who God has made us into, and it is only possible when we rely entirely on His strength found in the Holy Spirit. This is why we repent of our sin every week, and we hear the good news of the gospel and and absolving us from our sin every week, because every week we walk away from our covenant with God. Every week we sin and we fail God, but God is eternally faithful to us. We're reminded of that every week through our liturgy. If you just go out and you try to live this way, many of us have done that. This is a church full of recovering church addicts. This is a church full of recovering do-gooders. This is a church full of re- recovering performance, performance-enhanced people. We like, give us a list, we can do it. Give us something to achieve, we're going to make you smile. Right? We're, we're doers, and like Paul to the, to the Galatians, he, we're, we're constantly saying, whoa, 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 foolish people, who has bewitched you? Don't walk away from the gospel. It's about what he's done, not what you can do on your own. If you go out and try to live this way, you're going to burn out fast. The only thing that can keep us living in Christ-given identities and walking in these gracious rhythms week in and week out is a deeper experience and a deeper understanding of the gospel. The gospel has to be our power source. Your willpower will fail you. Guilt will fail you. Fear of failure will fail you. The gospel has to be our power source. But that brings us to an important point. What happens when we get tired? What happens when our sin blinds us to what is really going on around us and we really get offended by someone in the church? What happens when our missional community family, we feel like they miss it and we get hurt? What happens when one morning you wake up and the atmosphere just feels heavy? And you think, you know what? This is too much work. Why don't I just go to that church up the street where nobody really knows me? I can just chill in the back. Oh, what would it be like to just chill in the back where nobody knows me? And I just enjoy music and a nice sermon. I walk out and go, oh, I don't have anything else to do this week. How nice would that be? There's no real pressure to feel, to get involved in God's mission. I just sit and receive. Now listen, those are real feelings and those are real temptations and many times those come from us being just burnt out, us just being so used to pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and just doing kind of the next thing. Oh, you want good kids? Then put them in youth ministry. Oh, you want good kids? Then just put them in here. Oh, you want you know, a good marriage? Then go to the marriage class. And, you want the, and we've been so busy with all the programs that we forgot how to really live the Christian life in community and on mission. I understand that. In fact... We have built our entire ministry philosophy around the fact that we believe the only way to grow into a disciple of Jesus Christ, and this, this is rough, is to walk through relational drama in community and on mission. It's the only way to grow as a disciple. To walk through relational drama in community and on mission with people. You will reject that. As soon as you feel the drama, you're going to reject that. But I'm going to tell you, you look at the life of Jesus. He built ministry. He built disciples with drama going on all the time. That's what it looks like. This is how we learn 
what grace looks like. We offend people and we need to repent. We get offended and then we need to offer grace. People ask me all the time, Justin, did you think living in community and on mission would be this hard? Yes, I did. My theology actually demands it. It's like marriage. What happens when two sinners say, I do? What happens when two sinners say, I do? I'll tell you what happens. Drama happens. That's what. Pain happens. Arguments happen. Disagreements happen. Offense happens. Dishes get broken. Right? The yard gets mowed two days in a row. Why? He's mad. Let him, let him do his thing. But what happens when those two sinners get good at offering grace and asking forgiveness? What happens when those two sinners get really good at freely offering grace and forgiveness to another sinner? Intimacy happens. Love happens. Growth happens. Depth happens. The grace of the gospel gives marriage an unsinkable power. Because I am constantly remembered that I'm sinful, but Christ forgave me of a debt that I could not pay. So when my wife sins against me, I can freely offer that grace to her because I'm overwhelmed at what God has done for me in Christ. What happens when both spouses are doing this? Gives marriage an unsinkable power. But marriage also has something else that keeps people giving and receiving grace without giving up. Many people, not everyone. It's called a covenant. A covenant is basically a legal binding contract and commitment before God and witnesses. It's a love oath. It's a promise to act a certain way even when I don't feel like it. It's a promise to my wife that, honey... Five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, I will still be committed to you. I will still love you. I will still honor you. I will still cherish you no matter how I feel. When we started this church a year ago, I asked those who wanted to be involved to sign a one-year covenant to be on mission with us. We had 40 sign that covenant and all but four are still with us today. I did this for a number of reasons. Number one, um, I wanted people to count the cost. Like Jesus said, um, before you build a house, you need to, if you're wise, you need to count the cost. I wanted people to count the cost, to know what they were committing to, to know what they were signing up for. Planting a church and being on the front end of a new work of God is difficult and very demanding at times. For most of us that have been laboring in the planting of Sacred City Church over the past year, we would probably say that it's been one of the most difficult things we have ever done. We have worked tirelessly. We have been up early. We've stayed out late. We have served in areas where we do not feel gifted or called. We have packed our schedules with more meals and mission than we've ever experienced before in our life. We have been offended and we have offended. We have hurt. And we've been hurt. But we have also experienced and offered grace like never before. It reminds me of that famous Charles Dickens quote, It has been the best of times and it has been the worst of times. In one year's time, we've only had this public gathering for six months now. We started in January, but um, 
A year ago, we started the thrust and the main thrust of our church, which is missional communities, little house churches that meet throughout the city. And in one year's time, this sometimes, guys, if you're so involved in the messiness of life and you're so involved in ministry and you're so involved in people's lives that we, we forget what it lo- it's like to pull back and look at things. And I want to do that for a minute this morning. In one year's time, we've baptized over 20 people. Churches three to four times our size. It's very common for them not to see that, that type of growth and that type of um, depth and that type of, those type of numbers. That's, that's a lot of fruit. We have seen people profess faith in Jesus, turning from things such as atheism and moralism to embrace the gospel and live a life on mission. Equally as deadly. Moralism, be a good person and God will love you. Atheism, there is no God. Equally as dangerous. We have multiplied missional communities from two. A year ago, we had roughly 40 people in missional communities. To now we have four missional communities meet throughout the city and we have right around 100 people involved in our missional communities. We've had seven men complete the first year of Porterbrook, Omaha, and two finish their second year being trained for future church leadership. We've got, it looks like, about a dozen more signed up for Porterbrook this year. Our kids' ministry has grown from 10 kids packed in a closet where we would just shut the door and say, good luck, (laughs) to around 25 to 40 kids each week. And we have a full-functioning kids' ministry with over 35 volunteers. They filled up the downstairs. They've got the building next door. God has graced us and brought growth. We believe the call of the gospel to be fruitful and multiply, and we practice that around here often. Actually, there'll be church discipline if you're not fruitful and multiplying. That's how we, that's how we three kids, make it happen. Come on, let's go. That's where, that's where I'm at, so I might be, nah, I better not go there. Nah. I love my wife, and I, I want to stay in a happy home right now. We have had, of the past year, we've had three couples get married, and we've got a couple more on the horizon. We've seen cold and dysfunctional marriages restored around the gospel. We have seen many people turning from their own self-sufficiency to a life lived in dependence upon God in community and on mission. It has been messy. It's been very messy. But God has been good and disciples have been made. And that's why we're here. We're not here for a big gathering on Sunday morning. We're here to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who renew the city for the glory of God. There was probably some times over the past year that some of us wanted to quit, myself included. And for some of us, when things get hard, that covenant that we made together was what kept us in the fight together. For some of us, when things got difficult and, and, and maybe a relationship was strained and we had offended someone or they had offended us and just because we're with them all the time and we're in their face all the time and they're in our face all the time, we're rubbing shoulders all the time, we can't get away from it and we wanted to run because that's our tendency would be to run and just either go to another church where there's less drama. That's what we think. There's, there'll be less drama at the other church. And that'll last for a little while until people know you. And then your drama, takes, your drama goes with you wherever you're at, Right? When we felt that temptation, many of us have had to go back to that covenant and say, you know what? No, you know what? God has got me here. It's hard. It's difficult. But he placed me here. And being made into a disciple and the process of sanctification is difficult. And God uses people like sandpaper to to sand off our rough edges. 
Iron sharpens iron. Well, guess what? If you've ever seen a blacksmith work, iron, oh, nice iron. Oh, it doesn't feel good, all right? There's sparks and there's heat and there's pain involved in iron sharpening iron. And I believe too many of us in the Christian world these days, as soon as the hammer hits the iron, ah, I'm out of here. And we take off. We miss what God's been trying to do through community and through mission. Today, I would like us to renew our covenant together. And this time, you're going to make it with your missional community. Uh, But there's another reason as well, and I want us to open up our our word. And next week, we will start our... um, study through the book of Genesis. We will go, that's typically how we preach around here. We go verse by verse through entire books of the Bible. And we're going to, we're going to go all the way through the book of Genesis. Okay. We're going to spend a year in the book of Genesis. So that's starting uh, next week. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. If you have your Bible, if not, it's on our liturgy. If you have a smartphone, you can go to the YouVersion app, search sacred city there and live events. All of our scriptures right there. We also have Bibles in the back that you can borrow. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. When you're there, say there. Or it's on the screen. (laughs) All right, let's read. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It's very, sometimes we sit down in a scripture, we're going to do that today. That's all we're going to read, one scripture. I'm going to read it again, just the first half. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give it an account. For this first, I'm going to say this. This scripture tells us that every single Christian, how many? Every single Christian should have a leader that they submit to. Do you hear that? We're an autonomous society. We like, we're self-made individuals. Our American freedom is, is really built on, you can do whatever you want to do and you're free and all these different things. And, and we might reject this, but this is the apostle speaking to us this morning. Every Christian should have a leader that they submit to, a leader who can teach them, a leader who can rebuke them when needed, a leader who can correct them when needed, a leader who can care for them when needed, and a leader who can admonish them when needed. Now listen, you can't submit to a podcast. Someone has to know you. You can grow from a podcast, you can listen to a podcast, but you can't submit to a podcast. There's something about having a leader who knows you. Having someone care for you in such a way that they know you, they know the details of your life. And it's going to go into the second part. And this is just going to fade into that. I'm not even, you know, most people, when you you preach that, people are thinking, oh, he's going to want us to submit. No, no, that's not my thing at all. This, this, This scares me right here. This is one of those verses that I wish was just not in my Bible. I'm just going to be honest. Why? Because look at the second part of this book, or look at the second part of this text. This text also says that I am responsible for those in my church. This church, this body that God has graced me with, I'm responsible for those. It is my job and calling from God to look at that. Keep a watch over their souls. 
And God is actually watching me and keeping track of how well I'm doing. That's scary. Let them do this with joy. Ooh. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I will stand before God and have to give an account on how well I've shepherded this body, on how well I've cared for the souls that are under my care. So when I read that, after I feel the crushing weight of the impossibility of that, and I'm brought back to the foot of the cross and say, thank you, Jesus, that you're the senior pastor of this church and I'm just an under-shepherd. I ask the question, well, who is that? Who, who am I responsible for? Whose soul, whose soul care will I have to give an account for? Am I responsible for the soul of the person who comes to visit us? Am I responsible for their soul? Am I responsible for the the soul of the Christian who goes to one church on Sunday morning and another one Sunday night and another one on Wednesday night and they're they're just the, the Christian smorgasbord, right? Am I responsible for the soul of that person? Who is their leader? Who is their leader? Who are you submitting to? What church do you belong to? Stop shopping. I realize that sometimes churches fail and churches aren't making disciples and and churches get off on theological tangents and, and pastors screw up and blow it. And I realize all that. And I realize there's good reasons to leave churches. There is. But are you, are you just looking for the, the cool thing? Are you just looking for the, a quick fix? Are you just looking, you're just bored and you just want to change? Who is responsible for their soul? Now this question keeps me up at night. Who am I responsible for as a pastor? Missional community leaders should be saying the same thing. Christians, you should be saying the same thing. Who in your sphere of influence are you responsible for? Scripture tells me in other places that, of course, I'm responsible for what I teach. So in a way that I'm, I have to preach good doctrine and, and preach good theology and, and I have to, I'm responsible for what I say. So in a way, I'm, I am being judged by that as well. But this goes deeper than that. And this is why we believe at Sacred City Church that church membership is biblical. And there's other reasons as well. You go down the line of a true church and you look, read Corinthians and there's church discipline taking place. Well, how do you, how do you discipline somebody who could go and just leave and go wherever they want to go? Right? Like there, there needs to be an in if you can put somebody out in church discipline. As an elder, as an MC leader, we are responsible for shepherding those in the church and those in our missional communities. We need to know who's in, who's out, and who's on the fence. And listen, this morning, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but this is no, absolutely not, a high-pressure, sales-pitch type of sermon. This is no cultish ceremony to get people to commit. This is an opportunity to make a commitment to a people to a church, to a church body. And it gives us the opportunity to shepherd you well. If a person comes in, they visit us and they leave, I, they don't get a phone call from me. Or I would be making a bajillion phone calls every week. 
If a person comes in, they're here for a couple weeks, and they say, yeah, it's not for us. Praise God. Bless you. But if a person comes in, and they're a committed member of our church, and, and then maybe they get hurt, or they get offended, or, or something goes on, and they leave, I'm, I'm scripturally, I'm mandated to, to pursue them. To pursue them and say, hey, come be reconciled to your brother and sister. Come be reconciled and, and let's work this out and, and let's, let's see what, what's God trying to do through this situation right now. Why would God allow this to happen? What's he trying to teach us? What's he trying to show us? If you just want to show up on Sundays and you just want to check us out, that's okay. I don't want you to hear it's not. That's okay. We love you and we thank God that you're here. But that's not why we exist. We exist to make disciples who make disciples who are going to go and live in such a way to renew the city for the glory of God. And we're seeing it happen in these tiny pockets. Started with 40 40 people a year ago and we've had 50% of what we started with we've baptized in a year. It's been a gift. God's gracious. God's been so gracious to us. But for those of you who would like to join us on mission who you'd like to be made into a disciple, who you'd like to learn to be a learner like we've talked about, what's it like like to live in community and and be on mission together, this is your next step. If you want to be a member at Sacred City Church, you don't go through a membership class, you don't go through a bunch of meetings, you join a missional community, you work through a covenant together, and you commit to serving as an active, active member of our body. What's a covenant? This is what a covenant is. It's not nothing crazy like we're going to tell you to wear a bun on your head and long skirt and some kind of... It's not like that. Our identities and rhythms. We're family, we're missionary, we're servants, and we're learners. This is who God's made us into. We have rhythms. We bless, we listen, we recreate. means we create beauty and art and things like that, and we rest well. Um, I think I said listen. We eat together often. Some of, those are some of our rhythms that we do. Now, this is what the covenant does. At the mission, missional community level, everyone in that missional community, you basically work that out. What's it mean to be a missionary? Who are we on mission to? What group of people? What place? Some of our, our, our missional communities serve here at the Annie Whitmire Center, at the Family Resource Center, and help abused uh, victims and, and um, all kind, of, all kind of people like that. They help them here. Another one of our um, missional communities is serving, uh, well, ours we talked about this week is serving the ARC, the Associated for Retarded Citizens in Moline. We're serving over there and doing some work for them. Some of them are on mission down to King's Harvest. What's your missional community? Where are you on mission to? This covenant helps us work that together. And it's not me saying, this is what you do. You get to do this on your own. Where do we feel God leading us to serve? What's it look like to be a family together? How often do we eat together? Let's try to make a rhythm of eating one meal a week. Maybe we could do two meals a week. I don't know. What's it look like to be missionaries in our neighborhood? Maybe it means inviting one person over for dinner each week. Inviting them into our life. Maybe it looks like that. How can we be better listeners to God and better listeners to each other? What's it look like down in real life? Right? We're we're used to the preacher preaching things and being like, I have no idea how to do that. Some super Christian is going to figure that out. As for me, let's go watch the Olympics, right? This gives us the opportunity to really put flesh on what's it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean in our context to be a disciple and a missionary and a servant of Jesus Christ? So we're going to do that today. We're going to start that today. So in a moment, 
I'm going to ask all the missional community leaders in a moment. Not yet. I'm going to ask all the missional community leaders to stand up. Somebody could go get Rich. Uh, he's downstairs with the kids uh, this morning. Uh, I'm going to, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have all the missional community leaders stand up. And if you are in a missional community, I'm going to ask you to go gather around your leader and you're going to start working through this. And for those of you here this, Sunday, or this morning and you're visiting with us and, or you're not, you've been here for several weeks, you're not a part of a missional community, I'm going to, you can do two things. Number one, you can just choose one. And just go sit in and just listen and just check it out. What's it look like? Um, my missional community, we can, we'll meet right down here. Um, and I've got pr- the smallest missional community. We just started this Sunday. And I think probably half of my missional community at least told me they weren't going to be here today. Um, so we're, we'll meet right down here. If you just want to come join ours, you can, can join mine. But we're going to, this is what we're going to do. We're going to separate as missional community. So that's one thing you can do. You could just, just join one. But if, you're, if you, that makes you really uncomfortable, if you're really nervous about that, um, if you don't want to you know, do that, then guess what? You, you are free you are free to either sit in your seat or you're free, you're free to leave today. And you're free to, we just want to bless you and you can be gone. And, and hopefully you'll come back and, and, and visit us some other time. But this is what we want to do because we believe this Sunday morning gathering, all it is, is a celebration of missional communities coming together. So we, we are not just a Sunday morning gathering. We really are a, a church that functions seven days a week. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to have you gather and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to pray over us. And then you're going to start, start this process of working out this covenant together. What's it look like for us to do that? All right, you're going to start this process and then you'll finish the process in your missional communities this week and next week and I don't know how long it's going to take you, but that's, that's what we're going to be doing as a missional community together. So if the uh, missional community leaders, and, and we some groups have a couple as a leader, some group has three couples as leaders, we do shared leadership um, to lighten the load a lot of our missional communities. So Rich... And missional communities, if missional community leaders would stand up, missional leaders would stand up. And um, if you guys would, so yeah, if, if each missional community group would kind of find their own little space and then people can kind of disperse, uh, disperse to you this morning. <clears throat> I know this is different and you've probably never, you know, it's kind of a little different, but. We are different. 